This is James Moore, pastor of New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri, praying this audio message will be a blessing to you. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. And we are going to be wrapping up today the final installment in our mini-series called Who is God? Now, there's big questions that we ask in life, like can the Chiefs really beat the Bills? There's other big questions that are even more profound, like, who is God, all right? And so the last couple of weeks, we've been asking this question, who is God? And here's the truth, like, for most of us, we've had a belief in God since before we can remember. As far back as you can remember, you've kind of always believed in God. And that belief in God may have came from your family, may have came from your church upbringing, may have came just because of the fact that you're in America. I don't know how you got it, but before you could read, before you could write, before maybe you could even talk well, you had this belief in this God. And and over the years, you've been building your belief in God. You've used the Bible. You've used what pastors would say. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Circumstances, bad things, people you lose in your life, horrible situations, COVID, all of it shapes kind of our view of God. And so the last several weeks, we've been looking at who God introduces himself to be to humanity. Humanity. And we've been trying to say, is there anything in my concept, my belief of God, that does not align with who he really is? And so in week number one, we established the fact that God is the creator. And he's not just a creator who created and then left. No, he's a creator who wants to have relationship with his creation. He's not um, like a, a clockmaker who set this clock in motion called the world and the galaxy and all the things and dropped us people on here and then left and is absent. No, no, no. He is near to us and desires to have relationship with us. In week number two, we talked about how God is a redeemer And he wants to save us, to rescue us from sin. Now, this has got a lot of big church words in it. And so we spent some time last week talking about what does it mean to be a redeemer? What in the world is that? And and what's this idea of sin? And, And so if you missed last week, man, go check it out. Because we talked about how God doesn't just want to deliver you. He doesn't just want to help you out with your circumstances. He's trying to adopt you back into his family. He's trying to set you free from sin, which you can't break free of on your own. And he's trying to welcome you back into his family. He's trying to reclaim ownership of who you are. And so today we're continuing to ask this question, who is God? And as we wrap up the series, I'm going to try to put a pretty bow on it. Uh, But as I've said the last several weeks, the reality is no three-week sermon series, no three-month sermon series, no three-year sermon series would be able to exhaust this question of who is God. So we're just going to try to go a layer deeper today. We're going to just try to to go a little, we're going to push in, we're going to level up. We're not going to be level one, we're going to go level two. Some of you are like, I'm already at level two. All right, we're going to level three for you. All right, so we're going we're gonna to try to take, it, take God kind of like a diamond, and we're going to turn the diamond, we're going to see a new facet maybe of who he is. So as, as we get going, um, I, I think that most of you can relate to me. How many of you guys have ever sound your, found yourselves craving food, okay? Like you're hungry, like you're like, oh man, I'm hungry, but you're not like at work, you're not at a restaurant, you're at home. And so you have this moment, you're like, I got this craving, I want to satisfy this craving, I need some food. And so you wander into your kitchen and you open the refrigerator door and the refrigerator light is glowing upon your face and you're looking up 
and you're looking down. You're looking in drawers and closing drawers. You're looking in the door, what's in the door. And, and you have a craving, and you know that food will satisfy the craving that you have, but nothing looks good. You guys ever been there? And so you're like, ah, oh, there's just nothing to eat. There's lots of things, that, no, but there's nothing to eat. So then you wander over to the pantry, and now you're looking in the pantry, and you're like, man, Doritos are normally good, but I just don't know. It doesn't feel right. Like, I don't, I don't think that's going to satisfy. Peanut butter is the best thing that God ever invented, but I just don't know if that's going to be what satisfies me today. And so, so you go back to the refrigerator, and you continue to look, and you stand there, and everything is no longer cold in the fridge because you can't commit because you're having a hard time because I just don't think anything is going to satisfy the craving I have. It, by a show of hands, have you ever been there? Yes. Okay. You guys can relate. How many of you married somebody like that? Um, every now and then, I think it's fun to take my wife out for dinner because I do love her, and any time away from the kids with just her is like, oh yeah, I remember the old days before we had people all the time in our home looking at us for things. And so, so if we get a moment of time in which somebody's going to watch the kids, I tell you what, I'm excited. We go into dinner. She's excited. And guess what? I'm always hungry. And when it comes time to go out for dinner, she's hungry because she's doing that whole intermittent fasting thing. And when you're in your window, by George, you're hungry. So we are going out. It's going to be great. It's going to be a fantastic dinner. And so I go to Missy because I'm a gentleman, and I say, woman of my life. Where do you want to eat? And she is so great. She says, husband of my dreams. <laughs> you choose. And so, listen, I want you to know I'm a strong leader. And so when I got the opportunity to lead, by George, we're going to lead. So I say, fantastic. We're going to get some Mexican food tonight. And she says, anything but that. <laughs> and I say, wait a second. I thought that you said I got to pick and we could go wherever we wanted. And she said, I'm good with anywhere except Mexican. And so, being the strong leader that I am, I put my foot down. And I said, listen, what do you think about Italian? All of us in life, we have cravings. We have things that we desire. Um, some of our cravings are physical. Sometimes we crave food. Sometimes we crave sleep. Uh, we have cravings, but, but some cravings aren't physical. Some cravings come from like the core of our being. They come from the innermost part. They, they actually come from our soul. And, and these soul cravings are things that we want. They're things that we need, but, but we just oftentimes don't know how to satisfy those cravings. And the same feeling we have when we stand in front of a refrigerator door looking aimlessly for something to satisfy our hunger, I think sometimes we try to satisfy the cravings of our soul in the same way, and we just can't seem to think, I don't think that's going to satisfy what's going on on the innermost part of my being. So this morning, I want to suggest that the thing that we need, that the thing that our soul is actually craving is something you've not thought of. And when I tell you that this is what your soul is craving, you're going to respond like my wife and say, anything but that, Pastor Alex. You're not going to say it out loud, but inside you're going to be like, please, not that. So this morning, I believe that the thing our soul is actually craving 
is a king. The thing our soul is actually craving is a king. Now, I'm willing to guess that you've never said to yourself, man, I just wish I had someone to rule over me. Like, nobody ever woke up with that thought. Like, man, if I just had somebody tell me what to do today, I'd feel really good. <laughs> no, one, no one in here has ever asked for that, someone to rule over them. If anything, we all want to be the king, right? Like, I want to call the shots. I want to say how it's going to be. We don't crave a king. We crave to be the king. But I think what our soul actually needs is a king who is not you or me. It's interesting, as we think about this, you're like, really, Pastor Axel, do you really think that I crave a king? I do. You just haven't labeled it that way yet. Because here's the thing that you wish. You wish that you had someone to fight for you. You wish you had someone to provide for you. You wish you had someone who would just be able to give you guidance. You, you wish that you had peace. You wish you had someone who would just truly care for you. See, you may not have identified it as a king, but, but your prayers have been surrounded by what only a king can provide. The reality is we all need a king. Our soul is craving for it. Our prayers are asking God for it, but we, we don't identify it as that. This world that we live in, man, it's got so many things that are outside of our control. Like we need someone to help us. We think that we can do it on our own until we realize we can't. We need someone to fight for us because it just seems overwhelming. We need somebody to guide us because we can only YouTube and Google so many things. And we need peace and justice, which seem almost like fairy tales in our world today. So this morning we're asking the question, who is God? And, and today's answer is that God is king. And when he's king, guess what? He's king over everything. If you've made that step of, of faith, of saying, you know what? I'm not going to be the king in my own life. I'm going to actually allow God to be the king. Then, then you've came to this place that you've said, God, you are the king of everything. Every part of me, every piece of me, every relationship I have, every area of my life, I want you to tell me how it needs to be. And so I know a lot of you, like I've known some of you for a long time, some of you shorter than others, some of you like Greg, I've known, gosh, 20 plus years. Um, I think he met me when I was a teenager. Uh, Rachel, I went to high school with Rachel. Like, like I know some of you really a long time. I know your stories. And I know many of you have came to that place of saying, you know what, I'm going to allow God to be the king in my life. And for those of you who would say, yeah, that's me. I've already kind of done this, Pastor Alex. I've already kind of made God the king of my life. Then here's what you know. You personally know what God's done for you. Like, you know how he's protected you. And like, maybe nobody else knows the stories, but you know that God has supernaturally been involved in, in protecting you. You know how God's loved you. You know how he's fought for you when there was nobody around. He knows how, you know how God's even corrected you and shown you where you're wrong. You, you know how God's provided for you because it doesn't make any sense. And so there's so many of you in this room that if I was to walk off the platform and give you the mic, we could go like old school and you would get up and you would testify. Like you would tell us about how good God has been in your life. And what you would say essentially is this. You would say that without God, you would be a completely different person. 
And the person you would be without God is not one who would be better. So many of you could say that, that without God, I would be a completely different person and I would not be a better person. Yet, those of you who say, that's, I could do that, I could testify, sometimes you're like me and you still have a hard time letting go and letting God be fully in charge and be the king in your life. Even though you can testify how great he's been. Oh, God's been good. He's been so good. God's been so faithful. But, but I, still, I still struggle. The struggle's real. I think to some degree we all resonate, no matter how long you've been in the faith, with this tension that I know God has been good, but is he going to continue to be good? I know that he's shown up in the times that I didn't think he could ever show up, but I'm just not sure he's going to really show up in this one. And, and we don't really say that, but we live in that space. And we all struggle with letting go of control and letting God be God. We all struggle of just giving up it. We have control issues. We have trust issues. And quite frankly, we all have a bit of a problem with authority. Not a big one, guys. Just, just, Just a little one. We struggle with letting go of control and letting God be the king. Maybe you know that God loves you, but come on, there's things going on in my family, and it just seems to be so bad. I, I know that God loves me, but listen, there's things that I need. Like, bills are coming due. I need a job. Like, listen, I'm getting to be to an age that I thought I should be married at, and I'm not married by that time. I know God loves me, but I just don't know if he's going to show up for me. I know God loves me, but I'm scared of the future. I, I'm I'm, I'm fearful. I know God loves me, but I feel like he's calling me to do something. I just don't know if I can do it. I know God loves me, but I just, I'm having a hard time trusting him. I think we all can relate. And listen, if if that's you, I want you to know this today. You're not a bad Christian. You're not alone. This isn't um, the first time Christians have struggled with this. We're not the first generation to struggle with this tension. We can actually go in the Bible and see that people in Bible times were struggling with allowing God to be the king in their life. You see, God's been on a mission to start a new kingdom. And he knows that the world we live in is messed up by sin of people trying to be the king in their own world. And so God, he started with one family in the Garden of Eden, and he invited them to be a part of his kingdom, to be different, to be set apart from how we know life. But like you and me, they had different plans. But God, in his kindness, didn't just disregard them and didn't just throw humanity away and say, if you ain't going to do it, I'm done with you. No, in his kindness and his love, and despite our actions, he desired to reclaim ownership of humanity. He desired to redeem us from ourselves. And he made a promise to a man named Abraham that through the kids that he would have and their kids and their kids, that God would provide a redeemer for the world. And today we know that that redeemer, his name is Jesus. But a thousand years before Jesus showed up, a thousand years before the redeemer was there, we have the lineage. We have these people that were Abraham's kids. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob's name became Israel, and all of the kids that came from him were known as Israelites. I know, some of you are like, whoa, that's how that works. Yes, 
Israel was dad, Israelites were the kids, all right? And through the Israelite, this is where the Hebrew nation came from. This is where the Jewish nation came from. This is where the people of promise came from that was one day the Redeemer would come from. So a thousand years before Jesus shows up, these people who are God's chosen people, the people that God's going to use to bring redemption to the world, these people got fed up with God. See, God said, listen, I will be the king of you as my people group. I'm going to do things the right way. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to show you the right way. When you are in my kingdom and I'm the king, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to lead you to the place that is best for you. And the Israelites, you know what they said? They went to this guy. Um, So the way that God kind of communicated to the Israelites at that time was that God would raise up people that were called prophets. And so a prophet was just a man who would say, hey, this is what God has to say to you. Hey, everybody, God says this. And so they would be like, all right. So these people, these Israelites, they went to one of those prophets named Samuel. And this is in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And here's what the Israelites said to Samuel. They said to him, you are old. And on top of that, you're a poor parent. Your sons do not follow your ways. Now, why don't you appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Now, can you imagine getting that news? I know some of you, those are fighting words. You calling me old? You talking about my family? But when they said this, give us a king to lead us, guess what? This displeased Samuel. So what did he do? Did he pull up his fists and get ready to fight? No. This is something that you should do when you get displeased. When you're looking at the news, or your friend's Facebook post. When you're displeased, he prayed to the Lord. That would be a good cue. Every time you're displeased, pray. That guy catch you off in traffic? Oh, pray. <sighs> we gotta, what if we changed how we responded? So, so they say, give us a king to lead us. And this displeased him, so he went and prayed to the Lord. And here, check this, that's so crazy. This is what we've been talking about, having silence and solitude, creating space for God in your life. God spoke to him. How cool is this? He prayed, and now God is speaking to him. And here's what God says. Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you, Samuel, that they've rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day. We talked about that last week, how God set them free. Moses, let my people go. They're out from the day that God brought them out of Egypt until this day, which is a long time later. What have the people been doing? Forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now, listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. God called the Israelites, this whole nation, out of Egypt when they were in slavery. He set them free with a plan of redemption. They didn't want redemption. They just wanted deliverance. But even though they were rebellious, God cared for them. He delivered them from slavery. He fought for them. He took care of their enemies. He gave them food. He led them by day. He led them by night. He gave them victory after victory after victory. God did all of that, and yet they said, we don't want God to be our king. We don't want him. So God is telling Samuel, all right, 
We're going to go ahead and give them what they want. But I want you to first warn them. I want you to first warn them. I want first want, let them know that what they want ain't such a good thing. So, so Samuel essentially says, hey, guys, you think you want this, but if you want a king like everyone else, it will cost you. This king will take your land, he's going to take your daughters, he's going to take your sons, and he will use whatever you have to build his kingdom. So Samuel's warning them. And we pick up in verse 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with the king to lead us, you know, and to go out before us and to fight our battles. And I'm sure at this point in time, Samuel has his hand on his head and he's like, that's what God's been doing for you. The very thing you're craving is the very thing God's been doing for you. God has been going before you. He has been fighting your battles. He has been taking care of you. And you don't want him. You want somebody else to do that? What? And so when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. God, I, I told them, they, they, don't, they don't seem to care. And, and so the Lord answered, just listen to them and give them a king. Why? Why would the Israelites reject God as their king? The thing they're saying that they want is the very thing that he provides. Why would they reject him? Is it because he was a dictator and he was a bad king and he was a bad God to them? No, he was the opposite. He was such a good God. Why would they reject him? Maybe it's the same reason that we reject him. They rejected God as their king because they were scared. They were scared. They, they looked at all the other leaders and they said, we're not like them. I don't think what we have is going to work. They looked at their enemies and the armies were bigger and they were more powerful. And I just, I, I'm scared that we're going to be taken back into slavery. They, they looked at their fears and they rejected God as king because they were scared. They wanted a different king. They wanted a king they could see, a king that, they, that would fit into their box. And, and, and we so often do the same thing as the Israelites. Sometimes I read the Bible, I'm like, they're so dumb. And then I'm like, oh, so am I. <laughs> You know, something, <laughs> something comes up in our lives. And, and instead of us going to God and trusting him and letting him be the king, we settle for kings that everyone else has. We start looking around. We search for peace in, in drugs and, and binging. We, we look to CBD. We look to Netflix and endless scrolling. We look to alcohol, maybe just take the edge off. We put our trust in success. If I could just be successful, if I could just make this work, if I could just make enough money, if I could just have good enough grades, then, then I'll be enough. We, we find our security in how much money we have or if people like us or if we're popular. We, we, we look to relationships with people to find out if we're loved and have any value. And we find ourselves so often trusting in ourselves and what we want and feel to tell us what's right. But those kings are earthly kings, just like the Israelites desired. Those kings will cost you 
greatly. Drugs take over control of us. Before you know it, they stop serving us and we start serving them. I think of a guy I know that was on a prescription med and he needed it, but then after he didn't need it, he couldn't stop taking it. It no longer was serving him, he was serving it. We're constantly killing ourselves to stay on top in business or on top in our finances or on top in whatever our investments are. And if we fail, our world crumbles. We put all of our stock into our uh, place of employment. We put all of our stock into who we think we are, and then the job's gone. and We don't know who we are. We put a lot of stock into people, and people let us down, and they hurt us. And gosh, the wounds of a friend, the wounds from a family member, those words that they said, cut so deep. Our emotions... And our emotions lie to us, and they take us to places that we don't want to go and cause us to hurt people that we often care about. But listen, we don't have to settle for those kings. We can invite God to be the king in our life, and when he's the king, he's the king of everything. All of heaven and earth are his, which means everything that you're missing in your life will come from him. Power, might, those come from him. Peace, that comes from him. Strength and wisdom, oh yeah, those are his too. He stands ready to give you everything that you need, everything that your soul craves, everything that you would want, but he's not going to just give you what you want. He's going to give you actually what you need, which is a king. You need him, not just the benefits that come from being in his kingdom. You need the king himself. You can't take the benefits without being a part of the kingdom. And to be a part of the kingdom means he's the king. If he's not the king, you got no benefits of the kingdom. And listen, God's not ever going to force you to be a part of his kingdom. He could, but he won't. He's not a tyrant. God is not a dictator. His love is not abusive. He will let you choose your king. He doesn't just want your obedience. He wants your heart. Because when he's king, and you've chosen him to be king, then he's king of everything. Everything. Every area of your life, every part of your heart, not just some of you, all of you. Your choices, your decisions, your fears, your wants, your future. All of you trusting all of him. And that's hard. It's hard to let go of control. It's hard to surrender. But that's exactly what he's asking us to do. To trust him and let him be our king. I'd like to invite our worship band to come back to the stage. We're going to end today with a song. But before we get to that, you know, for some of you hearing me, I think that this message may have kind of awakened you to maybe some areas of your heart, maybe some areas of your life that you haven't been trusting God. Like you maybe committed your life to Jesus and you're like all gung-ho, but you realize, you know, I've kind of, 
I've gotten a little distracted. I've, I've kind of got onto a detour, and I really haven't been trusting God here. I've been more consumed in trying to do it in my own power than I have been in relying in Him and His power. I've been trying to do it in my own wisdom than I have been in God's wisdom. And I think for a lot of you, just hearing the message up to this point, you've already made the decision that you're going to make some adjustments. You already know. You're like, I know this is an area I need to make an adjustment in. And even in your heart of hearts, you're already saying, God, I want to put you first. I want to invite you into this situation. I want you to be in here. That's awesome. That's what you should be doing every Sunday. Every time we come together is making that small adjustment in your heart to position yourself more towards God. But there's some people that are hearing this message and you're like, I hear you. I hear that I should trust God. I hear that I should let him be king. I just don't think I can. It's too hard to just jump into trusting him. And can I tell you why it's hard to make that jump? The reason it's hard to make that jump is because you can't trust someone you don't know. I can't, I can't trust somebody I don't know. I don't trust strangers very much. I don't trust people on the street. I don't trust people that I don't know very well. And if you're having a hard time trusting God, it's probably because you don't know him very well. You're not sure that he's going to be reliable. You're not sure if he's going to take care of you. You just can't trust someone you don't know. And so maybe today, if you say, you know what, I, I just don't feel like I can lead with trust. I can't quite make the jump over there. Maybe, maybe you could just start by giving him time. How about time instead of trust? See, what would happen if you began to create space in your life just to get to know God better? A couple weeks ago, I introduced this ancient spiritual practice called silence and solitude. And the definition of silence and solitude is simple. It's just this. It's making time, making space to experience the presence of God. If you've got some areas, you know, like, I really want to trust God. I just don't feel like I can what if you just started giving him some time in your life so you could get to know him? Because the more time I spend with God, the more I know him. And the more I know him, the more I realize his love for me, and the more I trust him, and the more I trust him, the more I trust him to actually be my king. And not just king of part of me. No, he's the king of everything. So as we close kind of today's service, I want to give you an opportunity to experience the presence of God. We're not going to be weird. I'm not going to run around with anointing oil or Catholic smoke. I'm not going to come put my hands on heads. We're not doing that. So don't, don't wig out. But here's what we believe. We believe that God is real. If God is real and he's not absent, then he's here right now. And if God loves you and you want to know him better, I believe that he'll meet with you in this minute, right now. And if you encounter Jesus, I bet your life will never be the same. And so for a lot of us in this room, we can remember that initial encounter we had with God. If you've not had that, man, today could be that day and it could change everything for you. Because if you can get to the place that you put your trust in him, all the things that you want, so somebody to fight for you, peace, guidance, it all comes with him as your king. So what if today's the day that your life changes? There's nothing that would excite me more than to be a part of that 
to be a modern day prophet, to say that God loves you. He has a plan for you. The best thing you can do is get to know him. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song. I picked this song. It's a great song. It fits in with what we're singing, with what we're we're talking about. It's called The King of My Heart. So here's how this is going to work. In just a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, and I'm going to invite you to sing if you want. Some of you are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to sing. I want to spend some time talking to God. I need to talk to him because like, there's some areas in my heart that aren't right, and if he's what I crave, we need to figure this out. I need to ask for some forgiveness. There needs to be a change in me. That's great. Don't feel like you got to sing. Spend that time with God. Some of you are going to stand up and then you're going to sit right back down. And you're going to say, you know what? I want to just be quiet and silent before the Lord. You got a freedom here in this moment, but I just want you to know God loves you. He cares about you. And he's wanting to meet with you. You just have to make the space for him. So this morning, you're invited to connect with God, your creator, your redeemer, you are king. So, would you stand with me? And I invite you to connect with God. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.